You're listening to a DM podcast. Hey, we are back in the football shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt, and Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is not here. Wait a minute, I can do it. Hello. Hello. I've, I bought some piss water. Hello. I'm miserable. I'm Roger. <laughs> Do you, so Roger's not here because he has the shits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. True story. Um, Do you think that's because of the beery drinks? I hope so. No, his belly's because of the beery drinks. Well, yes. Like, the reason why Roger's is getting <laughs> but, bigger and bigger every year is because of the beery drinks. That is a fact. But maybe he's got to a point now where his belly's gone, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Expel it all. I can't deal with the yeast water anymore. Yeah. Get it out of me. Yeah, but it's a big thing having the shits in Melbourne at the moment. For those, so for those who aren't local, there's a bit, there's gastro going around everyone. It's, it's, it's getting the best of us and the yeah. worst of us. But apparently it's, it's childcare, isn't it? It's yeah. all, all the childcares have it. Don't have kids. Yeah. Don't send them a childcare. Or what? Just wash your hands, Rog. Just, yeah, just wash, wash your hands. <laughs> wash your kids' hands. Um, but there's no Rog. So it's date night. Yeah. Um, did you bring a romantic beer for date night, Jeff? Well, I my dreams came true <laughs> when I went to the, like, the bottle shop. So I went to the bottle shop. You know I'm a big fan of Ding Dao. Yes. Ding Dao. Yes, your favourite beer. Yeah. Well, they had some just about to be out of date Ding Dao <laughs> with a big label on it that says... $2.50. It's a really disgusting, like, handwritten, nasty label. Oh, I'll take a photo of it and put it on, put it on Facebook because they covered the whole label with this thing that just says two fifty. <laughs> like, so I just, I was like, this is my dream. Have they is... covered the out-of-date date? Yeah, you can't tell what the date is. They've covered that with a $2.50 label. So as far as I'm concerned, like, this is the best thing that's happened to me in my beer purchasing life. <laughs> but you may be just drinking out of date beer and then you may be joining Rog tomorrow in the uh, I've got the shits yeah, but John, game. My cheap beer just got cheaper. <laughs> like surely that's that's some kind of like black hole paradox. Although if you go to Aldi right now, you can buy a twelve pack of Singtao for fifteen bucks, I think. Is it in date? Yeah, it was Aldi. Oh, fuck, John, come on. Yeah, I just, I just realised I was in Aldi. <laughs> Hit, me yes. Hit me up next time. I bought. Um, I I didn't bring it tonight, but I bought Guinness in Aldi today. It's new. My new weekly thing of what international beer have Aldi got? Is it uh, actually Guinness or is it Guinness or whatever? <laughs> no, it's actually Guinness, um, imported from Ireland. Um, but I drank it out of the can today. Don't taste this good. Don't do Guinness out of a can. You need to drink yeah. it out of an old leather boot. That's what you need <laughs> to get it really good. Yeah. Um, but I did bring my Audi wine because, you know, consistency. Yeah, great. Um, every week we start with a question. But before we do that, if you want to get involved in the Football Shed community, head to our Facebook group, Shedders and Volleys. And you can talk nonsense about football, um, give us ideas of what to talk about. Um, or if you're a bit more like Rog, you can email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, as Roger's not here this week, we won't do emails this week because he'll feel left out. This week's question, Jeff. I reckon I'm in for this one. Go on. Well, I reckon you've got no hope of getting this right. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think Roger has any hope of getting this I'll right. I'll be closest. But I, I think it's a good one. Who is the only player to have scored in the Premier League, the Championship, League One, League Two, Conference, Conference South, FA Cup, League Cup, Football League Trophy, FA Trophy, this keeps going for a while, Champions League, Europa League, Scottish Premier League, Scottish Cup, Scottish League Cup, A-League, and the Indian Super League. Are you kidding me? No, I found this out today. I was like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Um, And I've heard of the player. He still plays, but I wouldn't... It's it's a difficult one to get. A-League? Yeah, it played for Wellington Phoenix in the A-League. Oh, God. So it's not Damien Duff? No. It's not Steve Finnan? No. He played in lots of the divisions, but he didn't score. Jesus. That is... And he currently plays in the Indian Super League for Kerala. That's insane. That's an insane question. Yeah. Um, he's English. He's English. But he's never played for England. It's, it's, like, it's basically impossible to get. Okay, go on. I just want to have some wine, so have a think for a sec. Um, no, you didn't get it. Yeah, okay. Gary Hooper. What? Do you remember Gary Hooper? Played he for played Norwich. for Celtic? Yeah, played for Celtic yeah, yeah, yeah. and Norwich, yes. 
Gary Hooper. So I think I have his Wikipedia here somewhere. Yeah, so he How played... How old is he now? He's 33. 33? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, everyone, everyone at home who's 33, think of what you've achieved in your life compared to Gary, <laughs> Gary Hooper. Hooper. <laughs> Gary Hooper's winning, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't care who you are, Gary Hooper's winning. But he, his youth career started at Spurs and it didn't happen and he went, ended up at Grey's Athletic and that's where he played Conference, Conference South. South End, Leighton Orient, Hereford, Scunthorpe. They went from Scunthorpe to Celtic, which indictment on the Scottish League. What he, year? What year was that? 2010. So that was before, that was when Celtic was still losing to Rangers every year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he went from Celtic to Norwich, where he played in the Premier League, Sheffield Wednesday, Wellington Phoenix. For how long was he in Wellington? Uh, 2019 to 2020. So okay. two seasons, played 21 games, scored eight goals. And then currently he plays for Kerala Blasters in the Indian Super League. Jesus. What a guy. And he's only 33. He can still make it. He's still got more leagues to do. <laughs> He'll be in Saudi Arabia next week, won't he? He's been in a squad for an England under-21 team, but never played for England. We should just stop the shed now. That's incredible. I, I, when I read that, I was just like, that's the greatest question of all time. Yeah. Um, I remember him when he played for Celtic, because I always used to think, you know, Celtic are the hoops. Yes. Always, yeah. Oh, yeah, so always, I used to love that his name was Hooper <laughs> playing for the hoops. It was, it was really yeah. good. Um but that is basically all I know of the bloke. Well, and because he came, there was rumours when he was at Celtic that he might get in an England squad because he was doing well and he's English. And everyone's like, oh, who's this guy? And then he went to Norwich and got into the Premier League. And, like, oh, and then it didn't really work for him. He did okay, scored a few goals, but then he kind of just disappeared. But wow, well, there what you a go. record. Yep, good on him. Um, while we're on Scotland, I feel like we should do size, one side story right at the start. Yeah. Rangers won the league for the first time in... 11 years? Or ever, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. The new Rangers. Um, but Steven Gerrard has taken the, it's taken three years, um, but they've completely overtaken Celtic. It's an impressive job he's done. Yes, it is an impressive job he's done. <laughs> you don't seem convinced, Jeff. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, there are two teams in Scotland, really, of, of any kind of caliber. Even when you strip Rangers of, of everything, they still have a... 50,000 capacity stadium that's able to give yeah. them a massive advantage in a, in a league full of 8,000 capacity yeah. stadiums. They Although no fans at the moment. Yeah, but that's that's for the last year, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they stopped, you know, they didn't they didn't lose money playing games. They stopped their league, didn't they? Yes. When COVID yeah. happened. So um yes, they lost the same they lost more income than other, than other teams, but it's all relative. Look, I'm not I'm not taking it away from Rangers, but it's about time someone challenged Celtic and it was only ever going to be Rangers. It wasn't th- going to be Partick, was it? No, but I think the thing, Partick. Partick. <laughs> it, it could be Partick. Spartak. <laughs> yeah, Spartak <laughs> Moscow, that's it. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that I kind of agree in that when Celtic have fallen off a little bit, well, Rangers are going to take over. But what they've done is they haven't lost a league game. Mm. So they've only drawn four or five and won the rest. That's impressive. I think if they had kind of just scraped over the line, it still would have been good. Oh, you won the league and stuff, but they've just blown the league wide open and they're still in the Europa League and done well in Europe. So that to me suggests that they're actually doing something quite good. No, I agree. And um, word on the street, you know, my, my scouts that I've got, my international <laughs> scouts, is they've got a, a coach that works under Gerard. I wish I could remember his name. Have you heard of this bloke? I've, yeah, yes, I do. And I can't remember his name either. Yeah, yeah. who is um, meant to be the future of football. Yeah. This guy's an absolute ninja. And I've, um, I've read reports of, of players coming out and saying ex-pros coming out and saying that, that you know they were they were there watching Rangers doing interviews and they saw the, some of the sessions this guy was putting on and they wanted to just get their boots on and go play they looked yeah. so fun and so engaging and um and this guy is changing football so i wish i will I'll, I'll try and find out his name by the end of the show so so i can say it because yeah. he's going to be one of those ones to watch it's difficult to google things on a date night isn't it there's yeah, no so it's, it's, tough, it's tough. usually roger will whinge on for about 20 minutes and you can kind of go oh i'll have a quick google about otherwise, that otherwise someone someone write in and tell me because because this bloke will soon become the head coach of a of a team himself and I think Stephen Gerrard is a very lucky man to have this bloke in his staff. I can't, I want Gerrard to stay there another year or two and do Champions League and see if he can do it consistently. If he can do, if he can win it again next year, maybe the year after, do 
do okay in the Champions League, then he's perfectly lined up to go and do the Liverpool job. Why the Liverpool job? Why is he suddenly getting the Liverpool job? Because he was played for Liverpool for 400 years. I know, but that's that's the that's the end of him then if he gets the Liverpool job and fails. What is he going to do next? Well, is it, well, I think he was learnt from... Is There's no point... Say Klopp goes. Yeah. And... It, which I don't think he will, at the end of this season, and they need a new manager, Steven Gerrard will look at what happened to Frank Lampard and went, I'm not ready. Yeah. He Stop, should, wait, wait. And he should do a Wayne Rooney and get a derby, you know, go, yeah. go to a, and not a Frank Lampard and get a derby for, for about 12 yeah. weeks and yeah. and then, you know, go to his dream club because there's no way back. No, once he, because no one's going to talk about Frank Lampard getting another job now. He's done. You've got no credit in the bank. Uh, you think you do because you're a legend, but you don't. We've just seen it with Frank. So, so, all of this talk about Gerard going to Liverpool, I mean, it's it's fantasy stuff, isn't it? It's, mm. it's tabloid stuff. It's not real, and I think he's got his, he's got his head screwed on. Yeah, I'd like to see him there in a few years. Arguably, he's doing better than anyone else of that yeah, era, that era. Of players who have just started into, into manager. I mean, you could make an argument that Scott what, Parker's doing quite well. Yeah, oh no, that's you make a good point, John. I was going to make an argument that that Ollie, relatively speaking. Yep. It's doing a better job yep. because there is far more competition yep. um, than in than in Scotland. But you're right, Scott Parker has probably got more of an identity than all of them. Well, and Scott Parker's probably learnt more in getting relegated, getting promoted again, and then having to adjust his team to stay in a league. And he's doing great at the moment. Yeah, and do you, you know the way Fulham of um, the way Fulham play has evolved this season. Mm. When, you, when you look at the, the first few games of the year, they, they had a real soft underbelly. They couldn't control the midfield. They they were trying to be creative beyond their ability. You remember watching them in early yeah, games? Yeah. Like you could see that... Well, they, we watched... Well, it was a very early game against Arsenal. We were like, oh, they're brilliant. And they lost 4-0. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. right. They just, they just like, they got rolled over and tickled. Yeah. Even though what they were trying to do was good. And you can see that they've actually evolved just this year to, to be... I don't know. What's every week I say be a bit more pragmatic, but they are now more comfortable playing it backwards and more comfortable playing it sideways. Whereas before it was all triangles and all all forward thinking football. So Scott Parker in a single season has managed to evolve his side and recruit incredibly well. Yeah, to, definitely, and recruit in the right places. Yeah. And not gone because at the start of the season, all we said was, "Oh, Mitrovic has got to do it. Mitrovic is the guy. If they don't have Mitrovic, they've got no hope." Um, if you don't score but they've changed their game because Mitrovic wasn't working wasn't fit I don't know um, but it wasn't going in um, and they've changed the way they play and they've found a way that works in the Premier League which is imp- that's what from a manager that's what you want from a manager is to go okay learn evolve this isn't working change my team bring in a few players and not on big money he's loaned players he's bought in um, I want to say Christiansen, the centre back, who's been amazing, and he's made him captain. He's just on line. Anderson, Anderson, thank yeah. you. Um, and they—he's just done re- a really good job. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you were probably right to to highlight Christian Anderson, Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> and, no, I mean, yes, and because the Chelsea centre backs, Christiansen. Yeah, um, because I, I think he is—he's—he's he's vocal. He's a leader, and he and he's changed the. Um, yeah, he's given them a, a hard underbelly, mm. which is what they need, and they're not losing games for them. Uh, mm. Remember, we spoke last week about the amount of draws they got. Yeah. Yes, they don't have the cutting edge that some other teams do, but and if they go down, we're all going to look like dickheads because we're raving about Fulham. But right now, they are the form team down there on footballing style. Plus, they've again, I'll keep saying it, they've lost fewer games. They've lost the same amount of games as Arsenal, and they've lost fewer games than Leeds. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And um, they just beat Liverpool. Uh, one last thing on Scott Parker, and then we'll move on to some of the games. Did you notice his jacket? Yeah. So <laughs> he's a he, he's a cool cat, isn't he, he Scott Parker? Well, he he is a cool cat, and he's always very well turned out. But this week, I think he wore a suit jacket over a puffer jacket. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So he looked like he was wrapped up in a like it. It just looked weird. It wasn't a good look. Yeah, and I, he, he just looked like an overblown version of himself. And I know you took take the piss at me, John, but his eye—he's got an Ancelotti eyebrow. He does <laughs> yes. have an Ancelotti eyebrow. Yeah, he does. He's like he's got a, he's got the voice from the streets yeah. and an Ancelotti eyebrow. The, blo- the but, bloke's a future superstar. Yeah, <laughs> but he was always like ah, oh, Scott Parker was always an amazing player, wasn't he? He just happened to be. Well, he's one of those people that has always been at slightly the not cool club. Like he was great at Charlton and then went to Chelsea, didn't yeah. quite work. 
And then he went to Newcastle, I think, and he was at West Ham for a while. He's excellent at West Ham, yeah. And he was never like, and he did well at Fulham at the end of his career, but he was never, if he had gone through, and if he played at a Man United and a Chelsea and a Liverpool, he may have been a bigger player and he may have been the manager of those clubs now. Mm. But he's always just been that one tier underneath. But he should have been. I remember at the time, I remember having arguments, blue in the face when Lampard and Gerrard couldn't play with each other. I'm like, mm. well, we got Scott Parker, who's just sitting yeah. there. Yeah. Just play him. We, you know, we were pig stubborn about trying to shoehorn these two world-class players yeah. next to each other. But can the team. Time. And you're like, yeah. well, Scott Parker would be an anchor point of yeah. that if we were just confident enough in his ability. And, and he was always top class. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, you're, you're right to bring up his, his skills in that bracket with the rest of those managers. But he didn't look good in his jacket. No, he didn't look good in his jacket. Which is a shame because he's usually quite a suave chap. Yeah, he always looks great. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was top cat. He let us down. <laughs> um, but they beat Liverpool. Yes, they did. That was um, good. <laughs> do you want to start on Liverpool? Well, why not? Yeah, well, we've started on Fulham, so we'll stick with Liverpool. Um, do you know, something I heard on the radio, on the BBC this week, um, was from a lady called Siobhan Chamberlain, who was Man United and England goalkeeper. She's retired now. Mm. And she made a point about how Liverpool have not had the opportunity to celebrate their league win with their fans. They haven't had the year where you're league champions and every week you come out to in front of the crowd at Anfield and everyone goes, yes, we're champions of the league. We're the best. Mm. And support. They've not had that. So they've had this high of winning the league for the first time in 30 years, but not the... They haven't had the street parade. They haven't had the fans every week going champions. They haven't had the cops singing We Are The Champions. They've missed out on mm. all that. And I thought it was a really smart point of they've missed out on that. And maybe they're just a bit exhausted after going through that of winning the Champions League, winning the league. And then it's really underwhelming when you do something well and no one says, well done. Yeah. and yeah. Or no one gives you a congratulations or you can have a beer and go, that was brilliant. And so I think that explains a lot to why they're a bit like, oh, f- fuck this. Like, and we've talked- it, is like, it is like doing a presentation on Zoom and everyone's got their cameras off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, na- you, you nailed your presentation yeah. and you just you're look like, at a bunch pretty- of black screens. You're yeah. like, well, yeah. thanks for what I assume are your smiles and applause. <laughs> are we done here? And then they when- just start leaving. Or when you tell a joke on Zoom and you're like, this is brilliant. But they're all on mute. And then you're like... Oh, well, I don't know if that was a lead balloon or that was brilliant. Yeah, it's exactly like that. That, that is Liverpool right now. They are a present. They are a Zoom presentation, and <laughs> and the and the the frustrating thing for them. You're right, John. It's a great point because because what will be so hard is that they're now so bad, or at least yeah. right now there is, no, there is nothing yeah. to celebrate. So by the time they will be legally allowed to have a open top bus going through Liverpool, which they promised they would do, they said they would celebrate as soon as we can. They'll be celebrating it. A- Point where everything's fucked. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought that. I was just like, that's going to be really hard. Like they're not, they haven't had that point in Anfield with the cops singing, going, "We're champions of the." Li-. And by the time they come back, they're not going to be champion, and that's really hard. I think. Yeah, because they will have lost the league. But you know, so fans will be allowed in English stadiums on the last day of the league, right? They're putting mm. the league back a week or whatever it is. Yeah. But by that point, Liverpool won't be champions anymore. Yeah. Man well, they C- will be for one more week. But Man City oh, is Man so City far ahead. Won- yeah, true. They will have won it by then. So they, they, they will be celebrating being last yeah. year's champions and being really disappointed with this year. It's, it's a real strange environment for them. Yeah. I had one other thing on Liverpool. Um, Mo Salah looks really tired. No. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough, though. But I just, not in a physically sense, but just he's got massive bags under his eyes. Like, he looks oh, like. Oh, you mean just like he's had a bad night's sleep? Yeah. Like, I was. <laughs> yeah, not like, oh, I'm worn out. I've played lots of games and it's been hard work doing this football thing. Like, he just looked like a guy who's not sleep, slept for a week. And I just, if. It's a nonsense thing. But if that's the case, the way you look, it's usually because there's various things going on. You're not happy, you're not sleeping well, whatever, there's stuff yeah, happening. Yeah. And if that's the case, it's just it's reflecting on what's happening in the team. It's it's fun. I mean, I'm going to say funny, not because ha-ha. Well, I mean, a little bit. A little bit ha-ha, what's happening with the fool. But, but on the only on the, on the, on the <laughs> personal level, fan. Yeah. yeah, I'll put my, put my shed hat on again. Um, it's, it's not a surprise that... Um, that they are where they are, given everything everything we know. It's not a surprise that they are losing games, given mm. the chopping and, the, and, and changing. It's sad. 
to, to yeah. see it happen. Um, but it's not a surprise. I guess from this game and the last six games at Anfield, rightly so, we should be praising the teams that win because even even a poor strength Liverpool side still need beaten. You know, mm. we've seen poor strength champions win one nil. We saw it at Man United. Yeah, regularly. So uh, Fulham deserved the praise for this game, and yeah. I don't they think were brilliant. They should be taken away. Um, and last thing on the Liverpool thing, they play, they were undefeated for sixty eight games at home, and then they've lost six in a row. That's a weird change to go sixty eight games, which is basically two and a bit seasons. Without losing, well, it's more than that if it's home games. So you play nineteen home games a season, so it's a lot of time to suddenly go from not losing for three or four years to lose six straight in a row. That's that. It's a bigger problem than a blip in form. It is. It's. 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 Uh, we we spoke about it last week. At these ice. I say we spoke about it. I like. I like to. Um, drag you and Rog into my theories every week, and then say that we spoke about it, so that so that you're you're part of it, you know, um, because I feel like that protects, thanks, thanks, Jeff. protects me from exposure. But but we what, we spoke last week. John. What did you say? We we spoke about Jurgen Klopp being too rigid and not yeah, moving away not- from his formation and and choosing to self destruct parts of his team that were fully functional in order to accommodate the rigidity of his. Um, of his tactics and his formation. And he has still retained that. He is still playing a 4-3-3. He is still manipulating players' positions in order to fit into the style that he likes to play. And that, there is a certain point as a manager where you need to just play with what you have. And you've got no choice. There's no, we're not in the transfer window. We can, we can look back, we can look at injuries, we can do whatever we like. But as a manager, you look at your squad and you do the best with what you've got. And what Jurgen Klopp has done in the last six games and longer, in fact, for the majority of this season, post Van Dyke, what he's done, post Van Dyke, like there's a fucking <laughs> watershed moment. But should we call that post Pickford? Yes. <laughs> uh, it, he hasn't acted in the to get the best out of the players he's got. He, he's acted to try and mend a formation that he prefers. And that in itself, he deserves blame for that. Um, let's move off. Uh, Liverpool. Do you want to go Man United or Chelsea next? Your choice. I'll go. We'll go Chelsea, right? Well, because well, you say Chelsea. I'm glad to say Chelsea because you look at Tuchel, and he's taking the parts of his squad and making them into something really quite special. And Klopp is not doing that right now. But Tuchel is finding a way to play and changing his squad constantly. We we talked about it last week, but he's making people play and want to play and come back and go, I want to be in that team. Mason Mount was dropped for the game against Everton and um, Hudson-Odoi played in that role. And you kind of, you you feel like everyone's going, I want to be part of this team. I want to be part of this team. They're 11 undefeated and they're looking really good. Yeah. I I, um, I obviously watched this game with keen interest um, with my my Everton glasses on, you know. And it was really evident that Sorry, I know there's Everton fans that listen to this, sorry, but Chelsea are a, are a better side. Yeah. And Everton have to have a really good day, like we did when we beat them 2-0 at Goodison Park. Yeah. And Chelsea have to have an off day for us to, to smash them. And, you know, what Everton tried to do was the same as we did successfully against Liverpool. But the problem was that Chelsea scored a goal and scored mm-hmm. a goal early, which means that you can't be... I'm an Italian pragmatist. You actually have to have to go out and try and achieve something. And and when it wasn't working, you looked at Everton's bench, and there was nothing that would change a game. Yeah. Everton's, Everton's squad is half the squad that Chelsea's is. And I don't mean that Everton's first eleven is yeah. half the first eleven because because I'd argue that on their day, Everton's first eleven is excellent. But then when you don't have players like. I don't know, James Rodriguez and, and yeah. Tom Davis and Decore, if, if they're not there, yeah. then there's a there's a huge that's a huge loss to the squad. And then you look at Chelsea's side and Chelsea rested an eleven that would have been uh, you know equal to the Everton eleven that was on yeah. the park. And it just proves that, you know it proves a few things, I think. Ancelotti is overachieving with the squad he has to get to this point in the season and even still be talking about top four. He's overachieving, yeah. got to say. It's still two, three more years worth of rebuild 
to get that to where a Chelsea is or a Man United is. Yeah. But then you also say that Chelsea are underachieving for the for the squad that they've got. And in order to, to compete for a whole season, you need to have the depth that a club like Chelsea have. They were able to go out and spend £270 million in the summer to buy five players that were good enough to be pushed into their first team straight away and they didn't get rid of any of the players who got them to the Champions League last year. Yeah. So when you look at... Yeah, Hudson Odoi. Okay. Well, I was going to say Chelsea's squad on paper really is one of the best in the league because the way I think it's a bit of an indictment on Lampard that he didn't use that squad to its best, and now you're looking at Tuchel, who just seems like he's a better coach and he's making that squad work and has found a system that has made them strong defensively. The thing I'm really enjoying is um, you've read Jonathan Wilson's Inverting the Pyramids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about um, Hungary in the 50s and how they played with the inside forwards. And one was Pushkas and I can't remember the other guy. And then the um, number nine dropped off. And mm-hmm. these inside forwards became the creative players and the most forward players and the ones... Tuchel was playing old school Hungary football where he had um, Havertz as the number nine. He dropped right off. And then you had Hudson Odoi and um, Werner as the two inside forwards, given license to do whatever. I mean, if I played football mm. and I was told you're an inside forward with no defensive responsibility, it is the best position on the pitch to yeah. play. You've constantly got space. Constantly got space. Yeah. There is no, you're not like the target man where you have to head it and get in a fight with a centre back, but you also don't have to track back. You just got to get in space, get the ball, and do stuff. And he's having two players do that every time. And he's swapping it around. It's been Mason Mount and mm. he swapped it in and out. But it's really working. And I do think that the defences don't really know what to do with it. And Havertz was brilliant in the dropping off and creating space. Um, and then allowing Werner to go and take that space or Hudson Adoy. They were great. I really, in, like, I know last week you spoke about the. Um, Chelsea Man United game and you asked me to watch Chelsea and say how was it and yes it was a bit sideways but there was something about watching this game against Everton that I thought this is quite exciting to watch I thought they Mm. were playing a really smart brand of football that no one else in the league's playing and they look really good at it and they've got the right players for it I agree they clicked they clicked in this game um in my uh in my endless evidence real of why Thomas Tuchel's a complete psychopath I'm going to, I'm going to talk about because <laughs> he looks like one yeah, well, and, and I just think he's got a personality defect um, <laughs> uh, the comments he made about um, uh, Christian Pulisic afterwards did you hear all that no so he's, he's basically he's, so Pulisic came off the bench in this game mm. and he said um, I think this is him right he, he goes I feel sorry for Christian Pulisic because I remember him from when he was at um, Dortmund. Dortmund, and I remember what an impact he could have off the bench, and that's what I think of him. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. He's, he's personally he's coming out going, "I've made up my mind about you, and I feel sorry about you. I feel sorry for you about that." But you're going to be a superstar. But that's what that's my. You yeah. know, I'm like, you're a fucking psycho. But, but then, also, but I think he also has the ability to change his mind and to evolve and I think that's what I like about Tuchel is in a moment he'll go yep yeah, this is the way it is and that's what we're going to do prove to me that it's something different Hudson Odoi has played right wing back he's played in the inside forward role he's been subbed off after half an hour and I think I like that he's keeping people on their toes and getting people to prove him wrong in a way that maybe Jose Mourinho used to do when he was good 20 years ago Tuchel's doing it in a way that works with modern players Oh, you make an interesting point. Okay, right. That's that's there. I reckon there are three managers in the Premier League that have a personality defect. Right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd say that Mourinho, yeah, definitely, is a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that um, a bully, that Bielsa has, yes. <laughs> yeah. is on the spectrum. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, but but no, I think in no, my opinion, no, for, no, for, yeah, the, no. for our legal team, in no. my opinion, no, he has he has um oh. Mild OC, he's a, uh, OCD uh, Asperger's. He, yeah, like, he's on the he's, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's open about that, and he yeah. knows. Yeah. Um, so you know, these, these I'm not passing judgment yeah. on anyone like yeah. that. I'm just I'm just picking three managers that have a person a, a unique. Disagree, Darren Dark. I don't want to offend anyone who, who has who has a unique mind. But we have three managers in the league who I, in my opinion, have a unique mind. Yeah. And um, 
oh, you know, Pep's a unique mind, but Pep's, yeah. Pep's a normal bloke who's smart, in, yeah. my, in my opinion, whereas, yeah. whereas Bielsa is uh, intense and, yes. as you say, is quite open about the, the things that cause him more frustration. But I think Mourinho and and Tommy Tuchel have a very similar problem, but express it in, in a different way. They both have this extreme level of, of self assured they're very self-assured they're very self-gratifying they are very arrogant mm. it is their way full stop but it seems like tommy has realized or he uses um social interaction as a tool and, yeah. Mar- and Mourinho uses social ostr- ostracization is that what yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. a tool yeah. like Mourinho will, will push you away as a tool to get you to come back whereas Tommy will give you a hug as a tool to make you express yourself but yeah. they're both looking for the same kind of psychopathic te- it's the yeah. same thing that's but driving that's just, all of them. isn't that just a sign of a good leader isn't that what someone does as a leader well until it goes wrong yeah. and then it's a sign of a psychopath yeah, there's a fine line. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. And, and I mean, you know, some great leaders lead cults in exactly. Know, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that in itself is not a good thing. No, <laughs> so, no, that's crap. <laughs> so what's that bloke? Um, Charles Manson. That's yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, no, start, that, let's start with Charles Manson. That didn't backwards. end well. Yeah, it does. It doesn't end well because when and it doesn't end well for Mourinho. And it doesn't end well yeah. for Tuchel, no. and we know it doesn't end well for Tuchel because we got we got live examples of it not ending well, where yeah. where that kind of overarching arrogance and a surety in your own ways beyond any logic or, or any flexibility will eventually just self destruct. But right now it's kind of fresh and new, so it's exciting. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed Chelsea's performance in this game. If I can take my Everton hat off, I enjoyed it. And do you know, as an Everton fan, I watched this, and all it did was gave me a bit of a benchmark. It goes, okay. I know that there is a long way to go. And yes, you can get caught up in having good results and beating Liverpool and getting to the end of the season, the top four. And, and yeah, that's great. But there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Football is is a long haul. You know, if football doesn't end and a good game is good and a good season is good, but, you know, you, you can't, if you're a Leicester fan after 2016, you can't expect it to win the league every year. No. You still know that your squad is not as good as the Manchester City squad in 2016. You just, you just know that you, you, you caught the wind, you know? Yes. Caught the wind and flew. And it's how you then build that squad. So Leicester right now are, are constant top four challengers for the last three years. Yeah. That is because they've gone, okay, well, what do we need to address? And it just put in place that Everton are still at that stage. Um, let's move on to Man United. Um, who beat Man City in the Manchester derby. Rooney, overhead kick. No, that was 11 years ago now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Great goal, though. I remember watching that goal. No, he shinned it, John. Shinned it. I remember watching that goal live and squealing... Um, it was amazing. He did, shinned it. He did shin it, but but it still was great. Um, but yes, this Manchester derby, um, not quite as exciting goals, um, but Man City have lost their running streak, winning streak of twenty one, twenty two games, mm. um, and Man United have beaten them again. Oli Solskjaer has a better record over Pep than any other manager in the world, um, and knows how to beat them. Did we deserve to win? I don't think so. No, we did deserve to win. We were better. We weren't better than them. Oh, go on. No, this, I'm trying <laughs> to get this out. We weren't better than Man City, but we have a way of playing against a Man City style team that we know works. Uh, we were very strong defensively. We had Fred and McTominay sitting, and we knew that we'd get them on the counter attack, play Dan James. He's quick as. And we got an early goal. Getting an early goal against Man City is huge. In those 21 games, 22 games that they'd won, they'd not been behind in the last 19 games. They don't do well being behind and chasing the game. They don't know what to do. Yeah. No. And Man United's very good right now under Oli at being ahead and just sitting and then going, counter-attack, pace. Um, So, yeah, great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's great that Man City lost. It is great. It's good for the league and it's good for enjoyment of football. They need to lose a few more times. Yes. Um, they still of, won the league, though. That's yeah, done. yeah, yeah. They have. So, so it's nice to see them put back in their box a little bit. Um, I do get a bit. 
you know, you, you, all these stats are right. They're, they're, a, stat, a statistic is a statistic, whether mm. you like it or not. Yeah. It, it exists. But in you the can universe. bend them to make them sound better than they are. Yeah, you could, you could, you could argue that Ollie is the only manager who's drawn at West Brom and lost to Sheffield United, who's also beaten Man City. Exactly. Which paints a very different story, but that statistic is also correct. Yeah. So it, it really is. Um, it's strange, and my opinion of Ollie is always in a state of flux. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally the same, and I'm a Man United fan. I don't know if he has any idea what he's doing or whether he doesn't. Or <laughs> he knows how to play one way, which is his defensive way and counter-attack, and that's it, and he hasn't worked out any other ways. And it's got him to second in the league, yeah. which is progress for Man United right now. Will it win him the league? I don't think so. But for right now, that's fine. Maybe if you spend and Man United just go, oh, we'll buy Haaland and we'll buy this guy and that mm. guy, then suddenly we might win the league. But I don't put that down to Ollie being a too cool type tactician or a Scott Parker. That he's we just mentioned. not, yeah. No, he's, he's not. Um, he can give people the belief of this is the way that Man United play and we can set up a team defensively, but they're not massively exciting. I thought... The fullbacks were brilliant in this game. Wambasaka and Luke Shaw were great. Yeah, Luke Shaw's got a new lease of life. And you're right, seeing Dan James back is great. Martial yeah. had a good game. Like lots of players, you have to all have a good game to, to beat Man City. Yeah. I think you're right, John. I think I don't even know if you said this. It might have been me, but I think you're right. I'll, <laughs> I'll frame it with, I think you're right, that um, Scott Parker is a better manager. Mm. I think that he has done, by, by getting relegated and coming back up, he's achieved more than... Ollie has come in second. Yeah, and getting to four semi-finals and losing them all. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, oh, <laughs> because what we said about Scott Parker, what we said about Scott Parker was he came up and realised the team wasn't working in the way it was working, and he's evolved it and changed yeah. it. You can look at Man United. You know exactly what they're going to do. You know what they're going to do against possession teams. They're going to do against big teams. In semi-finals, they've got to semi-finals of kind of Europa League, FA Cups, etc. And they've been expected to win. They don't know what to do. Mm. And they've not worked out a way to win games they're expected to win to take charge of. It's that same thing we, we were talking about a few weeks back. It, it's when you don't know how to be yourself, but you know how to play against someone else. Man United yeah. had the perfect game plan against Man City, yeah. but when you're expected to be Manchester United, they fall short. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought that Dean Henderson in goal was very good. I wanted to mention. Yeah, fuck, he's good. Um, and De Gea is injured, I think, or on paternity leave. I think he's on paternity leave, um, but he's not playing at the moment. And Dean Henderson's played the last two or three, and it's looking really good. And I would like to him to have a run in the team just to go. Yeah, you're number one. Prove it, do it, have the confidence in it. And I think it's the right time for him. I think so too. Um, yeah, and the odds are when um, the hair comes back, he'll be fucking knackered anyway every night. Won't be getting any sleep. Dean Henderson <laughs> will be a shoo-in for that squad. Yes. Um, so let's move on to Spurs because now they're the most entertaining team in the league. Um, after about three weeks ago, I was saying Spurs are awful and Jose should go and Bale's a flop. Bale... Is the best player world in the world. World class, Johnny. I'm saying world, it. He's world, it. I've been like, always saying it. He's world, world. class. Um, and Harry Kane is actually world class and scores wonder goals. Yeah. I mean, that second goal by Harry Kane was just it was ridiculous. out of this world. Do you think he meant it? Yeah, of course. But Harry was, it, Kane, was it a cross? Was it no, a shot? No, no, no. It was a shot. It was ha a shot. Harry Kane, if you watch Harry Kane, he will always, on sides of goal, shoot. And shoot early. He'll never um, take an extra touch or think about it. He knows that if the goal's there and I can kick it towards the goal, I'll give it a go. Mm. So just do it. His technique's excellent and he practices shooting a lot. So it goes in so it goes a lot. In. Yeah, I, I read a great stat about Harry. Well, again, stats are real, right? So he has the most assists in any of Europe's top five leagues. That's ridiculous. He's also scored 16 goals. That's insane. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. Like, just brilliant. Why, and why are we not going, this guy's the best player in the world? 
Is there a reason? Like, like Harland, big forehead. It's hard, oh, it's hard, to buy, it, hard to buy into the forehead. Harry's Kane hair at the moment is really lockdown. It's hard to get a hairdresser these days. But a lot of players have got them. Yeah, Harry Kane's floppy kind of sixties greasy grossness is not nice. But maybe that is the only reason. Yeah, uh, you, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, they are coming into form at the right time. Gareth Bale for the second game in a row. Looked excellent, mm. absolutely excellent, and it, it's enjoyable to watch. You know, everyone loves seeing good players play well, and I've seen two games where I've just loved watching Gareth Bale play. And Gareth Bale, as far as I know, doesn't seem like a prick. No, no he's, a it, guy, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's, and so it's nice to see him doing well. But it's also there's a confidence in his movement, and there's also not this desire to be Gareth Bale of ten years ago and sprint past people. It's I'm Gareth Bale, who's done a lot, won a lot, but also can't run as much as I yeah. used to. So I'm going to stand here and make... He's got great headers and he's got him tap-ins. That's kind of what you want from Gareth Bale right now is just that last bit of quality, get ball yeah, in Yeah, and he sprays passes too. Yeah. So he's, he's got a great range. Um, you know, you can tell when you... I'm going to say you don't want to talk to him. I've never spoken to the bloke. <laughs> but, but he's actually quite articulate. Um, yeah. He knows he's a very words quiet guy. that have more than two syllables. Yeah. That, that is a fact. He's not Tim Sherwood. He's certainly not, not Tim Sh- Tim Sherwood. I even heard him say counterintuitively oh. in an interview. I'm like, well, oh, Gareth, on. Gareth you are aware that you are on Sky Sports here. You have just, there is a button that's just exploded somewhere. <laughs> where you go, How do we edit that? Who's doing the <laughs> subtitles? How do you spell it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think Gareth Bale's a nice bloke. And good on him. I hope he does do well because I like watching him play football. It's a shame that, you know, good performances on the pitch will save Jose his job. It's a real shame. Do you know, this exact, that thought went through my brain this weekend. I was like, for fuck's sake, he was going to go. And then he's won three in a row and they might get top four and Jose's going to be around for another year. And I'd lo- Fuck off, you bully. I'd love to I hate hear him. Spurs fans about that. I know Spurs fans listen. I'd love to hear your point of view. If you're listening, yeah. tell me your point of view because... For me, I think that's a shame because mm. I think there is only one way a Mourinho team goes and you can have peaks and troughs of performances but there's only one way it will end and I wonder whether as a Spurs fan you want that to just accelerate and happen and enter the next chapter or the peaks are worth the journey. I'm really curious. Yeah, I don't... It's, as a Man United fan, it's not worth the journey. It wasn't worth the journey for you. It lasted too long for you. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, last thing on this game, Spurs beat Crystal Palace. Mm. We never really talk about Crystal Palace because they're boring. Benteke, great goal. Great header. Head and shoulders above everyone else. No, Sign him, Liverpool. Did you see who was on the bench for Crystal Palace? Now go on. Connor Wickham. Do you remember Connor Wickham? What? Connor Wickham's about 400 years old, but was a prospect 400 years ago. For Sunderland, and he was one to one to watch, wasn't he? And he was at, he's been at Palace for years, but he's had various knee reconstructions and ver- not been able to play. But the subs bench came up and went, Connor Wickham was like, Oh, he's back, so still around, apparently. And Zaha was back, obviously. Zaha, yeah, he came hit, the bench. hit the post. Um, I mean, Zaha's an excellent footballer, and <laughs> Good. one day we'll see, hopefully, we'll see him playing an excellent football team. Um, do you want to talk about West Ham or handball next? Uh, you Look, it would be unfair not to give West Ham a mention. West Ham are currently sitting fifth in the Premier League, two points above Everton, three points above Spurs on the same amount of games. Who's their defender? Dawson? Dawson, Craig Dawson. I, we, I got a message um, from a mate this week saying... Uh, ask on the shed who scored more goals this year than Liverpool. Which defender has scored more goals this year than Liverpool have at Anfield? Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson. Yes. Uh, it's if um, you go back to a shed end of year awards, not this one, last one, one before. Jesus, we've been yeah, doing no, this a yes, long time, John. <laughs> I know. But I said, may not should sign Craig Dawson because he was at West Brom at the time. And I think it's when they got relegated and I was like, this guy's a fucking good defender and I keep talking about him and everyone, he's, he's one of those Johnny Evans types. He's a boring 7 out of 10 defender. He's Michael Keane. You just want them in your league team. Yeah. Like they're seasoned pros, do a job, don't worry about anything, just put them in. And David Moyes just looked at him and went, well, that guy's at Watford and in the championship, he's really good. Just come and play for us on loan. Like, brilliant. 
Yeah, West Ham deserve a lot of um, a lot of credit for where they are, and I'm thoroughly enjoying their ride. I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those kind of. I wish they weren't having their ride at the same time Everton were having their ride, but I'm thoroughly enjoying the fact that. Um, that when you look at the top six in the Premier League right now, Spurs and Liverpool are not in it. And I don't mean that in an offensive way to Liverpool Spurs who are listening. It's just nice to mix it up. Yeah. Like, oh, that could be the totally Spurs agree. and Arsenal were not in it. Yeah. And that could be the, oh, you could say the same about whether it would be United or City or Chelsea or whoever wouldn't be in it. The fact that only three of the traditional big six are actually in the big six, I love. Yeah, no, I totally agree. On Arsenal, they drew one all with Burnley mm-hmm. um, and had about four million shots and couldn't score but also gave away possibly my favourite giving away of a goal oh Zaka of all of all time like Arsenal play out from the back and yeah that's great and for a while now we've talked about how they're not the best best at it but the fact that Xhaka just kicked it into Chris Wood and then it goes in the goal I I just laughed out loud I thought it was brilliant I loved it it is brilliant. <laughs> I mean, as a neutral, it's brilliant because I love weird goals, and that is one of the weirdest. Like you can, um, if you pause it before he kicks it, you feel like there's no. How could this possibly, within less than two seconds, get in the goal? Like, it doesn't make any sense. No. But then you watch it, like, oh Jesus! There you go. Um, also, in this game, there was a weird handball, Pepe. Had a handball shout and then took the ball round the guy and had another handball shout and it wasn't given. And I don't want to talk about VAR and handball because it's boring, but I generally don't know what the rule is. I don't know what it's all about. I don't get it anymore. And I'm also getting to a point where it's kind of just ruining it for me. It's just not fun anymore because Scott Parker articulated it very well in the Fulham Spurs game where they had a goal disallowed for handball that hit someone's arm apparently or is right next to his body and then it's like oh no that's a that's a, definitely a handball we don't know the rules and it's taking away the ability to celebrate a goal and you can't celebrate a goal when there's also there's no fans and then VAR's chucking on top you don't know when it is a goal and when it isn't a goal i'm a little bit scared that when we do get fans back we may have killed the game before it starts again. And it's a real... Well, John, that's a big, that's a big topic, isn't it? Yeah. No, yeah, I don't, no yeah. I'm ready. Uh, well, not, I, not I said I don't want to get into this, but... Um, but not from VAR's perspective. Like, it, look, it's hard. The more it flip-flops, the less I care. That's what I've got to the point where... It's almost comical. I don't give a shit anymore because I don't know what handball is. I don't know what offside is. But it's always to the point of without VAR. So, yeah. so you know, different refs would give handball for different things. Yeah. In the past, there was yes. intentional, not intentional, and now it seems like VAR is giving handball. Yes. For so actually, nothing. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> it's just rule. We all get to watch the replay in real time. Whereas before, we all just trusted a bloke to, and then to, to get, to get it right it. or wrong, and then we yeah. debate. Now it's like. Whether it's black and white, it is what it is, and and but you know, I, I've stopped caring because I've, I can't keep up with it. And your question of like, how, are we killing football? I I worry about the state of football at the moment, and and mm. I, I think um not to, not to go too, I don't want to get negative or depressing or whatever, but football is a trudge at the, um, I'll be I'll be completely yeah. honest, right? We are being drip fed, game after game after game, and. What that's so okay in in the past? Did you ever watch every game? No, never, never. Right, because no there'd be five kickoffs, five three pm kickoffs on a Saturday. Yeah. It'd be a couple of games that they thought were the biggins on a Sunday, and yeah, yeah, a few years ago they started one five, sorry, one Friday night game, whatever. Yeah. But you wouldn't watch every game in full. It just wouldn't happen. No. So you know, there's an argument to say that actually there were quite a few shit games back then. Yeah, we just didn't watch them. You just, you no. just didn't watch all of them. They were just on the up, end of match of the day. Yeah, like, oh, pick, pick up results. You're like, oh, that was a nil nil. That was a one nil. Great. Yeah. You saw some highlights. That was cool. But now, because they're being drip fed to us every single day, it's it's more strange to wake up in the morning and not like in Australian time, right? The games kick off at five a.m. or seven a.m. Right? Yeah. It's strange to wake up and not have there be a game on. So you find yourself watching 
every you know as oh, yes. much as every game yeah. as you can because it's always on it's always on it's always on the time like, like always up in the morning always watching the games you set your alarm you watch the games and you're watching a, a whole heap of dirge football that you might not have watched before every day you know it's it's the same kind of ha- habitual process as making a cup of coffee in the morning mm. you know yeah. which means that the the anticipation's not there the crowd's not there the the enjoyment of the game isn't there because some of the games you wouldn't have watched them before and now you find yourself happen to be watching them it, it's really i'm kind of over it yeah no totally and well i think the two things you mentioned there the anticipation is huge mm. i living in australia and watching football it was always exciting to go, oh, it's May Night in Man City at 3.30 in the morning, but I'll watch it on delay or I'll get up and watch it live or whatever. And it was, But uh, currently in the, fo- the way the Football League is, it's not exciting because there is games every day that were mildly exciting. If you go out for dinner at mm. a really fancy restaurant or whatever and you have a special, it's an anniversary dinner, you take partner out and you're going out for dinner and you go yep great gonna have dinner at this fancy place it's awesome if you have a dinner every day there it's just fucking dinner and it doesn't it's not exciting it's just pasta or it is just tell you what john like it's it's like staying in a fancy hotel for a month yeah because you you love the breakfast the first day you have three courses of breakfast you have pancakes and you have pastries and it's the best thing ever by day three you're eating wheat bix because you're fucking sick of pancakes, you feel bloated. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've, like I'm just gonna have the cornflakes now, please, because yeah. I'm I'm sick of it. And it's it's exactly the same. Too much of it, and and especially too much of it, and being exposed to the normality of it. Some of it is dirge. And the other thing I was gonna say is, I watched a highlight of Harry Kane scoring a um, North London derby goal the other yeah. day. And it's the one where he cuts in from the side and whips it into the top corner. Like, great goal from three or four years ago. I can't remember. Yeah. And it just came up on a um, Facebook feed. And it's the North London derby this weekend. And as soon as he's... he's, Do you remember he had his face mask? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he scores this goal. And it's a great goal. But he whips off and he screams and he runs across the pitch. And he's like, fucking yeah. And the crowd goes mental. I've not... We're watching... Preseason friendlies. Yeah. There isn't that gumption and there isn't that real, like, fucking yes, this is awesome. And it annoys me that we've spoken about it on here a fair amount and we've talked about the kind of turgidness of football at the moment. What I'm struggling with more is that the rest of the football media world's not willing to accept it. There's this mm. kind of underlying oh, we can't say it's a bit crap, but it is crap. Yeah, you're not allowed to. You feel like you'd be ostracised. No one's saying, like, watching this is boring. There's too many games. There's too many... The Guardian Football Weekly did mention it this week and they kind of touched on it for the first time. So I was like, oh, they're they're kind of... But I really think... And I'd, I'd be interested to hear from people at home. I don't know. But I don't think people are really that excited about the football right now. And I think people are struggling... For the enthusiasm for it, for the kind of get up and go. And yes, we have to get up at strange times to watch it. But in the UK, I was speaking to my dad the other day, he has Sky Sports. He's like, I can watch eight games on a Saturday and Sunday. I don't want to watch eight games of football. Like, no one wants to watch eight games of football in a row because got a life and yeah. got things to do and yes they're in lockdown so there's not a huge amount to do but also it becomes you don't watch the same movie over and over again you watch different movies like it's just a bit I, boring I, 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 com- I completely agree and I'm also quite surprised that this isn't something that's just spoken about more because really and it, don't get me wrong there, there is this, I feel almost trepidatious talking to you about it mm. on a football podcast I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to convince everyone who listens to this that football shit don't listen yeah. to us don't watch football yeah. that's not but I do think it's important to recognise that what's going on now is different and mm. it's okay to feel a bit like this is just a bit shit this is a bit yeah. shit and, yeah. and if I if I gave if I said right there's four games till the rest of the season for the end of the season would you take that over 14? Yes. Jesus, you would. Yeah. I would. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, well, yeah. not 14. What is it? There's 10. 10 games. If you said there was five, 
They're yeah. like, yes, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll just take it. Pick, pick them out of the hat. I'll take them. Because yeah. it gives you something to get your teeth into. I had the first... This week, I, I was super excited about the Chelsea-Everton game. Yeah. Because there was something on it. It felt like the winner of that game was really going to stake their claim. You know, like it felt yeah. like the, there was some genuine unforced narrative mm. by the league positions of those two clubs. And I had this glimmer of excitement. And that's the f- reminded me that that was the first time I felt that in quite some time. And I've watched a fuckload of football. Yeah, and I think I'm hoping now we're at the point where there's only 10 games left and we're getting to the knockout stage of the Champions League, which we'll touch on in a sec, that there's things to play for. And there will be fans back at the end of the season. I'm hoping that this is the kind of drive to the end of the season where it gets more exciting and it gets more interesting and you're like, oh yes, I want to see this game. I want to see I want to see Fulham stay up or it be close and I want the t- race for the top four to be close. I'm annoyed at Man City, not because they're going to win the league, but because it's not close. Yeah. There's yeah, a, there was a big part of the season where I thought, seven teams could win the league and we're going to go to the last day and it's going to be chaos. But it's all over. It's, and that's yeah. a shame. Uh, and if if the top four race closes up, then it it will all be over. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a shame. I just pray that go back to the first thing you said that we we will be ruining football before it gets back to normal. I just pray that when we do get back to normal, it does resemble normal. And what yes. we've done is we have is we we're not going to make all of these wholesale changes. We're not going to say actually now it's okay to play eight games on a Saturday. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really important that we don't go, and the TV companies probably will go, we're just going to do this. Mm. But we don't just allow it to become a thing where, oh, there should be all 10 games of a weekend should be on TV and they're all shown and they're all at different times. It's like they're doing the AFL here. And it just means you get a crap game on at three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. And you're like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Sick of it. Yes. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's better out than in, and no one else is talking about it, Jeff. So I think it's important that we talk about it. I did want to mention the Champions League this morning. Juventus went out to Porto uh, for all on aggregate, so they went out on away goals. And Porto, with ten men, scored a free kick in extra time, where they whacked it along the floor, and low and hard, low and hard under the wall, and it goes in the bottom corner. Everyone in the wall jumps and turns round. Like, we play five a side on a Thursday night. So tomorrow night we'll play. In our finals, John. We're finals in the finals, tomorrow. by finals the way. Yeah. We'll give updates next week if we're in the grand final. If you play in that, you just stand still and look at the ball. It's a real simple thing you do in a wall. These, like, Cristiano Ronaldo was the main culprit. He jumps and turns round and opens his legs. Like, that's... I learned that as a seven-year-old. You just stand still, close your legs, look at it. It might hit you in the bollocks. That's why you put your hands in front of them. Yeah, they like, love it when they jump and duck. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when, they, when, they, when they jump really high, but then they duck their head like yes. a turtle. I'm like, what, what are you, you doing? doing? You're literally <laughs> shrinking your own body. Yeah, yeah. The one job is to be as big as you can. And like, people can kick balls hard, but genuinely, however hard it hits you... You'll be right. You'll be right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that yeah. much. So you'll be fine. So yeah. I just, I enjoyed that you I didn't know Chesney played in goal for a few Yeah, minutes. he's there number one. He's been there for a while. He was at Roma. Yeah. Uh, and then he went to Roma. I just didn't know he went to Juventus. Yeah, he did really well at Roma and Juve made him number one. And that's why they got rid of Buffon because they were like, no, we've got Chesney. Oh, and then Buffon's Chesney. back. Chesney's the future. Um, and then in the other... <laughs> Sorry. In the, in the other Champions League game, Dortmund got through uh, and Haaland... Have you seen this? The VAR. Mm. So, Harlan for Dortmund goes through, scores a goal. I think it was a good goal. Great goal. Brilliant goal. I think it was good. And then go to VAR and we think it's because Harlan's pushed over a guy in the box. Look at the VAR and they go back a few minutes to go, oh no, there was actually a foul for a penalty. So, scrap off the goal. You have to take a penalty, even though he scores a great goal. Oh, you missed the penalty. Oh, that's a disaster. Well, it goes up the other end. Oh, it turns out the goalie was off the line. Oh, we'll take it again. Like, f- stop fucking with the game. <laughs> Just let him have his goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He had a great goal. Let him have it. And that's fine. Yeah, I'm with you. With you on that. Um, I have one Haaland stat for you, by the way. Go on. So, Haaland has already scored more Champions League goals than Francesco Totti, Ronaldinho, Zidane, Brazilian Ronaldo, Adriano. 
Tevez, Falcao, and Lukaku. Are you kidding me? He's only 20 years old. It took him 14 games to get to 20 goals. It took Messi 40 and Ronaldo 56. He's really quite good. Yeah, this kid is unreal. It's nice to see, isn't it? It's nice. It's really good. You, you worry that... Um, well, you don't, you don't worry. No one actually worries about this shit. But like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, when you look at Messi and Ronaldo, so we, we were lucky enough to live through the pe- yeah. the peaks of Messi and Ronaldo in our lives. So, you know, Messi played with Ronaldinho and you know, all yeah. this stuff. And Rooney played with Ronaldo. Yeah. Like, we were privileged yeah. in our lives. But you, you look at the next tier down, the, the hazards of this world. Yeah. And you're like, they're not as good. And you don't want them to be the best in the future. Yeah, exactly right. You don't, yeah. you don't want these two blokes to, to hang their boots up and yeah. then go, okay, well, the next level is just, it was always a bit worse than that level. So to see someone like Haaland come through and be like that, Haaland and, and Beppe, and you're like, yeah. the, future is, the future is solid. Yeah. Um, still can't get over the main night. I didn't buy Haaland because they didn't just want to... Do, just... do you know he had a trial at Everton? Did, really? Haaland had a trial at Everton for three days and they deemed him not good enough. So he went to Mulder. And then you signed DCL instead. Well, I mean, and the rest is history. <laughs> That's gone really well for you. Um, there will be no end game this week. Do you have any more side stories, Jeff? Oh, yeah, I, was, I was saving up for an end game. Okay, no end game. No end game. Have you um, got an end game? Because well, no, there can't be an end game. No, so I win. No, I don't. I don't have an end game. Um, um, do you have any side stories before we go? No, it's been great to be back in the sheds. Uh, <laughs> what? That was, that was said by a line of, I don't know what to say now, so I'll say it, I'm, it's great to be back in the sheds. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm conscious that I want to end on a positive, having just spent 15 minutes complaining that football is shit. <laughs> so I, I, want, I want to make sure that I'm saying it's something that's great. It's great to be back in the shed and drink out of date beer Good. on date night. Good, yes. Um, Rog, we hope you're... Getting over your shits. No, not no, really. No. I hope you're in misery and crying. Yeah. Stuck over the bowl, <laughs> both bowls. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week, hopefully with Roger and an end game. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Bye, everybody. Yeah.